Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mbriwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into a fascinating discussion. It seems to be, um, you know, one of those that, uh, you know, we continue to have um, widen and strengthen, and that is uh, the conversation just around uh, technology, uh, specifically the use of technology in business, um, you know, particularly for industries uh, that have been around uh, you know, for for decades, if not centuries, you know, how do you modernize? Uh, um, how do you modernize? You know, certain institutions. How do you modernize certain industries? And how do you make sure uh, that you keep up to pace uh, with all the latest developments and make sure that um, you know you stay relevant um, in a fast-paced and evolving um, landscape? And for today, we're going to be talking to one of South Africa's largest financial institutions uh, that is Investec and you know for today um, we are honored um, and uh, you know privileged to be joined by uh, Shabana Deva uh, who is uh, the Chief Information Officer over at Investec and this one uh, definitely looking forward to it we've uh, spoken quite a bit uh, about uh, financial uh, financial technology on this platform we've also spoken to you know a number of the financial institutions around uh, their investment in technology so for us uh, this definitely feels uh, like a good extension uh, to all of that that's happening Shabana greetings to you today Thank you very much, Modiwa. It's such a pleasure to be talking to you today. You know, usually when we have these sessions, uh, the first thing that we usually get our guests um, to talk about is, you know, tell us a little bit about the company that you're from and all that. But, you know, I think Investec is one of those names uh, that <laughs> leads, needs little to no introduction um, in the South African landscape. Um, so rather than looking specifically at what Investec is, um, very keen to you know jump off on a point of your role as a CIO right as a chief information officer uh, to get a sense of how do you feel um, you are positioned you know how has the role of a CIO evolved over time um, you know simply because uh, back in the day um, people have always looked at uh, you know when you talk to people in corporates you get a sense that uh, uh, technology was always seen uh, technology IT and that type of thing was always seen as a cost center and more of a support function uh, but you know you sort of hear that in certain organizations it's uh, repositioned to become a little bit more strategic um, how do you see um, the role of a CIO at the moment so um, I think from an investec perspective the way we see it is that technology is well integrated into the business we are the business as our ceo says to us actually so there's no differentiation um i think in the industry itself it's systemic that we are as you said modi uh, seen as a cost center but that has actually shifted instead of just being an enabler from a technology perspective we are both an enabler as well as a driver a driver from an innovation perspective, a driver from a partnership perspective, as well as an enabler in terms of the client value that we give the client in itself, because the client is always at the center of everything that we're doing. So technology well integrated into the business. We are the business and we feel like we're one. Mm. One of the things that... Uh, and the reason, part of also the reason I asked, you know, that specific question is because, you know, when you look at a bank like Investec, 
Um, a lot of financial technology com companies that are now coming up outside of the traditional uh, banking system um, tend to uh, say that they are trying to, you know, increase financial inclusion. You know, they say that they are uh, trying to drive, uh, you know, more services for people that are unbanked. They're trying to, you know, increase all of these, you know, services, especially for the middle, you know, uh, to the lower, you know, sort of rungs of the market, uh, what people would term the mass market. That's how a lot of financial technology companies and innovation, at least in Africa, um, has been positioned. Um, so I wanted to get a sense, uh, especially for from the fact that um, Investec tends to play on the upper, um, you know, part of the market. When technology is being used, you know, in that part of, in that segment of the market, right, uh, what's the thinking around that? Because I'm sure that then informs all of these other pieces that we're talking about, the role of the CIO and all of that and how that fits into Investec strategy. Yes. So I think to be investec specific, we partner with different client segments, the private client, the institutional and the corporate client. And within that, we have specific segments as well. So we're very niche. We are very distinctive in our offerings as well. So those strategies are actually specific to those segments that we currently service or serve. And as the demographics change, so do the strategies. Um, so I'll give you a couple of examples. So for example, a corporate client might need more depth in online capability, as an example. Our business or our business transactional banking clients might like, you know, um, full straight through processing. And we offer that through APIs, as an example. Our private clients and specifically young professionals may like deeper humanization in the offerings that we, we, we provide. So more of a personalized experience, proactive recommendations and the ability to self-serve on a mobile, as an example. But what I'm trying to say is ultimately the use of technology at Investec is all about putting the client at the center of everything that we are doing. It's still around the client. The ecosystem will always be around the client. It's about understanding the client's needs. It's about understanding um, what value we need to bring with them. It's about making our products personable to every single client. And it's about providing the best experience. So with the clients at the, at the center, technology is actually used as the heart. The aim is to always have a distinctive, high-tech, high-touch offering in everything that we do across any of the channels that we produce. So there's consistency for the client, and it doesn't matter which channel they come in through. And, from a, and, and I think I stated it earlier as well, tech is tightly integrated to the business. We actually don't even like the separation of the terms technology and business because we are one business. We, we, we strive and we do everything in partnership and integrated with one another. And that role of the CIO can be stretched in so many ways because having the ability to say exactly what you want to industrialize or modernize gives you the privilege to say, where is the future heading if the business wants to aim towards 10x scale, which every business actually wants to do. Mm. I like the fact that, you know, as you're talking, you are differentiating between, you know, those different segments, uh, taking us a little bit deeper into the offering, you know, for Investec, the fact that you've got 
more of your, you know, your professionals, you know, uh, the actual people, the institutions, the corporates, um, etc. And specifically on the people, you had started talking about, uh, you know, the the client being at the center, the customer, and uh, you know, humanization, etc. But when talking specifically about clients, very interested um, for the individual clients before we touch on institutions, etc. Um, when someone is using, let's say, an investec banking platform, like what is the typical use, right? Uh, because we're trying to look at it from both sides, right? If I'm a, if I'm an investec client, like what is it typically that I'm going there for? And also at the same time, on the other side, what type of uh, I guess what type of investment are you looking at? What are the the the, the drivers uh, that you guys you know then push on the back end? you know, to enable that, um, because um, in, a in a traditional retail, you know, banking sense, uh, banks in South Africa, you go on their platform, you can literally do anything and everything. Um, you know, they're trying to throw everything and uh, the kitchen sink, uh, you know, on their, <laughs> on their digital platforms from electricity to home loans to car loans to, you know, everything that's there. Uh, so I guess it's just to get a sense of, you know, does the Investec platform also take the same philosophy or, you know, does it also take a more specialized nature in line with the fact that um, Investec is a more specialized type of banking institution? I think if I have to uh, um, go a little bit deeper on that, everything is centered around the client. So if you want to talk specifically about the private client, there are different segments there as well. We've got the young professionals, we've got the medical professionals, we've got our lawyers. So they're even deeper from a segment perspective. And those clients have specialized needs within them as well. So they're also differentiated in what they need. So if we have to take the young professionals as an example, we know the demographics and we know that they actually prefer for example, more of a self-serve capability. Now, that self-service capability could spread across multiple client segments in the private client space, as an example, or it could just be one segment like young professionals. So we do that work to see what is the need, what is the usage of the application, what are they using it for, as an example, from an, from an app perspective. So we do find the private client space and the young professionals, as well as other segments that they do want to have the capability to be able to self-serve more than anything else. So download their tax statements or documents, be able to check their balances very easily, do beneficiary payments very quickly and very slick. So our app actually is meant to do that for the client. So how many of, so the idea is how many of, how many, what do you do often and what do we streamline from a client experience perspective to make it slick, responsive, fast, and tailored to you as an individual? Some of the pieces are still work in progress, but some of the pieces have already been released. But they are per segment in order to be able to identify, run the statistics, analyze the statistics, and what makes sense for our clients. Because we are very much uh, a high-tech, high-touch experience uh, for, for every single individual. So we use data. The other piece is that, you know, the industry, without some of the regulations around open banking from a South African perspective, we are noticing that the industry from a, from a client perspective wants to have more control of what they do. So we actually are giving them more control with the use of APIs. So we're opening up our environment in order to give the client more control with the use of APIs. 
So if you want to term it, um, we term it open banking. We actually have programmable banking that's offered both to our private clients as well as our corporates to be able to do what they need to do by themselves. So give the client more control with the use of APIs. I'll give you an example. Um, we've got a developer network that actually connects to these APIs and develops on their own cards. It's called programmable banking. We actually have one card, which I'm, not, I, I'm sure you know of the app, which competes with like the likes of Willie's Dash, um, Checker 660, all of those things. They have their own cards. But we actually what we've done is we've given them control to program their limits on those cards. So they've programmed it themselves per driver. We give them the ability to actually program um, for themselves which retailers that their drivers can actually purchase from, as another example. And we also offer them, and I mean, they've developed their own fraud monitoring around that purely with the use of APIs. So we've given them more control to do what they need to do. And obviously, from a partnership perspective, we've opened up that even more. So from a medical professionals perspective, if I have to look at that client segment, private client segment, we bank medical professionals. What they use is um, uh, the doctors actually use management practice software, um, which is called Astrocyte. We actually allow their third party software to connect to our APIs and pull their full transactional history in real time. So those, so the doctors can see their full transactional history on a real time basis. So we've also opened up the environment um, to allow for those kind of things. I'm going to come back to, you know, the APIs and the open banking, um, you know, just now. And at least we are getting a fuller picture of how you guys are thinking or at least investing, um, you know, around that. Uh, but for a lot of companies, uh, I know that, uh, you know, from an investor, at least an investor point of view, one of the big questions that is always, um, you know, on people's minds, whether people are reporting quarterly, half yearly, annually, whatever it is, is... Uh, capital allocation, you know, et cetera. And the, one of the big questions is always, okay, cool. You know, you're telling us that you are serious about this technology. Um, the client is at the center. You guys have, um, you know, all of these uh, tailored technologies for the different segments that you're serving. Um, could you give us an idea then uh, around the type of capital investment that's going into, um, you know, Investex technology platforms? So I can tell you that we are industry relative um, uh, to answer that question. And I think from a um, IT cost as a percentage of group cost, we are definitely industry relative. However, what we pride ourselves at Investec is around working lean. And that's because we hire the best of the best people and we actually invest in growing them to do more for the organization. So um, I think... Simply put, we are industry relative from a budget perspective. Where where that funding is going, I can be more specific if you'd like me to be. Yes, please. Okay, so where the money is going, and I'll and I'll choose five things that come to mind that are the top and uh, priority for us. Um, so we talk about the pace of change. Um, we are investing in industrializing our architecture. We talk about legacy, we talk, and legacy is informed by the pace of change or innovation that is happening or disruptions that are happening in the industry. So what served us before does not serve us right now. So we are industrializing our state and in specifically one of the areas in terms of the industrialization is modernizing our payments 
um, architecture in line with the industry changes that are happening at the moment. So it's not new news. So on the low value payment side, as well as the high value payment side, we actually um, modernizing those rails with the industry um, to cater for more instant cashless, cardless environments, together with enriched messages around the new ISO 20022 standards. So that is connected with the industry. The second thing is that the industry is already opening up itself, so particularly in open banking space. And I think I've spoken about programmable banking earlier, both to our individuals as well as our corporates, to be able to do full SDP or to actually give them more control. The third piece around our modernization is centered around the fact that we are making strategic use of data. So data is in everyone's language. So we want to be able to democratize the use of the data. So give it securely in the hands internally to be able to make it more of a deeper connection with our clients. So, you know, Investec is all about the personalized experience, whether you talk to a banker or whether you talk to our CSE center, you will get a consistent and the best client experience because we know who you are. Our products are tailored to you depending on your situation. And that's what makes us unique. So we want to deepen that even more by using data and we actually modernizing our architecture and we're moving towards a distributed data mesh pattern and seeing data as a product, which is, which is a very new way of doing things. It's not these monolithic data warehouses that is the traditional. We're actually moving from a very traditional to a very modern approach with the seeing data as a product. Still the client at the center of everything. And the fourth piece around our industrialization is centered around our cloud journey. Everything that we are doing around the modernization piece is to give us the 10x scale, to give us the speed, and to give us the cost benefit that we do foresee. So from a cloud perspective, it's all about the client experience. It's about scalability. It's about speed of execution. It's about the cost reduction. So we use Azure, we partner with Microsoft, we use Azure for our differentiation, we use uh, software as a service for commodity applications, and then we co-locate to the GSE from a trading environment perspective. The last piece is also around, and it's very important, and I think you see it in the news with different organizations having downtime. We want to make sure that our foundation, while all of these changes are happening at the same time, is still resilient. It is critical for us. We are, our foundation is rock solid. We want to make sure that it's completely resilient, whether change is happening to it or whether it's not. Because the pace of change is just exponential at the moment. That's what the feel of, it's like everybody's on a digital frenzy. Everyone is on a cloud frenzy. So all of this change is going to impact us, but we want this foundation to actually remain resilient. So we're investing. And in three approaches, we're using observability, we're using AI ops to be able to predict what could happen. We're using anti-fragility to actually shock the system to see whether we will remain resilient. There's so many patterns, we're making sure that the foundation is rock solid and remains rock solid. When I think about uh, the five areas that you mentioned just now, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, the, the, the payments issue, um, you know, the cloud journey, um, and then, you know, the three approaches, you know, just around the resilience factor, uh, because I'm pretty sure that um, banking systems such as yours are under attack, you know, all the time uh, from outside parties and also just usage, you know, um, just general usage can literally be strenuous on systems. 
um you know so from that point of view um just uh, as a quick follow-up to the budgeting debate um i asked you earlier on where we began the conversation about the role of the cio etc budgets are they coming are they it it are they it led budgets or are they sort of functional led budgets um you know you go through the bank and we realize we need this type of technology and that informs technology spend or does you know your department sit and do an assessment of uh, you know what the bank's needs are you know in a modern banking infrastructure and actually uh, that's what informs uh, what you call this uh, how budgets are allocated and spent Mm. So um, I, I think I, w- I will stress that we are very integrated. So we are the business. So we're very integrated across our business, different across our business areas, which is very highly niched and highly specialized. So our teams are actually both decentralized as well as centralized. Um, and that's there for a reason. It's very, very important. However, we are tightly integrated with the business. Those decisions are actually made as a collective. We understand where the business strategy is going. We understand the business understands where the technology strategy needs to head. But the client is at the center of everything. So what is the client value that we're going to add, both from a business perspective and a technology perspective? And that's actually discussed together. Yes, from a rollout perspective, I will have a full view around the whole of the South African budget uh, from a technology side. But yet still, it's still per division as well. So it's both integrated as well. It feels like it's a bit of a three-dimensional model, but actually those decisions are actually made in conjunction with each other. So as a CIO, with my teams, we can influence and we do influence what needs to change. So, and those discussions happen with the business. So on one side, we're trying to make revenue and how to use technology to make the revenue. On the other side, we need to be able to manage this word of legacy, but actually it's more about modernization because it's about keeping up with the pace of change. Um, and both of those are actually intertwined. So those discussions are actually so integrated that it feels and it constantly it feels like we're one. I don't know if that answers your question, though, because it's hard <laughs> to place. I can yeah. still view it as, as an owner from a South African technology perspective, but yeah. the business also have full line and control of what we spend on as well. So mm. it's in conjunction with each other because we are so integrated. We work very differently though. Yeah. Okay. In, compared to the industry. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, now that we've reached this point um, in the conversation, you know, having gone through the role of the CIO, uh, just some of the thinking around how um, Investec is thinking around this technology use, etc. Um, I think, you know, we're talking a, lo- a lot in, you know, um, in terms um, that are, you know, big picture thinking, etc. But in this last part of the conversation, I'd like us to get into the weeds a little bit. Um, you know, people on this platform know that we can get quite technical because I'm a geek at heart. Um, so let's touch on something that you've actually, um, highlighted more than once, you know, you know, through, through your talking and that's legacy systems. 
right? Um, it's no secret by now that, you know, South African banks are beset by problems with, uh, you know, legacy, uh, legacy systems, you know, the old systems, the one that, the one, that one system that was made in the 1980s, you know, in some back office that is still working and underpinning, <laughs> <laughs> and underpinning a lot of, uh, you know, uh, some of the core banking systems, because at the end of the day, I remember we had, um, uh, we had uh, the 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 uh, we had Miss pa- Miss uh, Patel on this platform a few weeks ago, who is the head of IBM um, in South Africa, and she's just like, guys, whether we like it or not, the core banking has not changed, you know, for decades. Uh, so there was that attitude in the industry of, you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Uh, but now, you know, there is a, there is a paradigm shift because people are understanding why, you know, uh, it's certain things had to be, uh, modernized. So your take, uh, just around, um, issues of legacy systems, right? Specifically, you know, um, why it's still an issue. Because I don't know whether it's an issue that affects, it seems to be an issue that affects banks differently, right? Some banks more than others. We won't name anyone here, but some banks, you know, more than others, right? So from that point of view, what's your thinking around, uh, you know, legacy systems? Are they really as bad as we, as we say they are? Because if, as we said, if it ain't broke, you know, why fix it? And then secondly, how is uh, Investec actually working to minimize or mitigate any issues that could come, you know, as, as a result of that old system from 1985 that is still, you know, <laughs> running. And there's probably two people in the whole of South Africa that know how that thing um, actually works. <laughs> <laughs> Your words are just so true. Uh, That's why I'm laughing and smiling here. It is so true. Uh, That is the word of the day, actually. Oh, that is the speech on the floor, as they say it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, because we still got to make money as a business at the end of the day as well, right? That is the reality. However, what I want to do, though, is I want to define the word legacy when you talk about legacy, because it's really important. Where I see legacy, it means that whatever was fit for purpose before, So however we designed our environment was fit for purpose before, is not fit for purpose now. And that's because of the pace of change. It's because of innovation. It's because of all of those things that are happening at such a rapid rate. I think when when you look at the World Economic Report, it states that, you know, and I don't know if this is a bubble or not, um, it states that Fortune 500 companies usually take 20 years to reach a billion dollar valuation. But now those digital companies or those startup, digital startups are taking four years to do it. Again, I don't know if it's a bubble or not, but it's taken such, it used to take so long, but because um, right now it's digital, it's now taking four years, right? And it's a combination of technology that's actually driving that. It's the cloud, it's AI, it's analytics, it's many things. It's mobile usage, all of those things. There's also um, a McKinsey statement that actually says, that the the pace of change actually has taken a quantum leap, um, like you know, and and that's that that's just like you know those words are absolutely fitting. It actually really has taken a quantum leap since COVID, especially as well. And because of all of this, the c- consumer demand has also changed at the same time. So if you've got technology changing and the consumer demand, 
saying, I want to be more in control. I want more speed. I want to be mobile. I want to have convenience and I want to be online all the time. Right. So the consumer demand is also changing. So we, we, we have to keep up with that continuous, I call it continuous change. We're in the age of continuous change and it's happening at an exponential rate. So something becomes legacy because of that continue or the exponential change that's happening in our environment. Um, and look, there is a competition. We need to drive revenue because you need to stay afloat. At the same time, you need to keep pace with the technology. And at the same time, you have all of this macro things that are happening around you with the pandemic, with inflation changes, with so many things that you have to deal with all at the same time. And if I have to answer the second part of your question around what Investec is doing in order to mitigate that, our objective from a technology perspective is in line with the business. The, the business is all about creating 10x scale and a high-tech, high-touch client experience that is personal in every client that we deal with. So our objective is to create that um, scalable, personalized client experience by digitalizing our DNA. That's what, that's what we do. It feeds directly into high-touch, high-tech, and distinctive from an investing side. So these three things at a high level, I'll use the word modernization, but I love to use the word industrialization instead because modernization puts us to the fact that we legacy and the way I see legacy is slightly different. So we're industrializing it, we're making it modern and we're making it fit for purpose for now based on the business demand, based on the consumer demand, based on the technology change that is happening in the industry. So we use a Mac approach. So it's microservices, APIs, cloud, and headless. We use that approach in, in our design. And if I hone in on the APIs specifically, that integration fabric is one of our number one priorities. It is key for us. It is key because of external partnerships that we can open up so that we create an innovative economy. We create an ecosystem around the client because that's what all the other companies are doing. People can consume offerings from us that is either licensed or, or unlicensed from a, from a banking perspective. We want our businesses internally to self-serve each other. So uh, we have very niche businesses, but we've got applications that spread across those businesses. And that we, we want to keep that ability because that drives our cost down the reuse. But we have to allow those businesses to scale at their own speed of execution pace, so not depend on another. So those internal APIs, we wrap our systems, our environment with um, APIs so that they can self-serve. So our modernization piece is, uh, and sorry, just on those APIs, the third piece is around managing our acquisition strategies. APIs, you know, it strengthens the acquisition strategy. So when we acquire someone, they can easily plug and play into our environment and reuse systems that need to be reused so that we get the benefit of cost. But the whole idea around the industrializing of our state is about making our business composable by wrapping them with wrapping the uh, packaged business capabilities with APIs. So that means taking these monolithic applications, making them very, very small. So for core banking, you mentioned making them small. You've got rates, you've got fees, you've got VATs, you've got cash investment account processing, you've got your interdiv or treasury account processing, making those monolithic applications very, very composable so that we can rent and assemble things in the future. We can rip and replace things in the future much easier. 
Second piece is around democratization of data. I think I mentioned it earlier, seeing data as a product. Very different thinking. We use distributed data mesh. It is uh, the distributed data mesh pattern. We call it DDM in our environment to make sure that we see data as a product. So data, we are making sure is a culture of organization to deepen the humanization in everything that we're doing. And then the last piece is, is actually our culture. Actually to change legacy, which we call it, or actually I would like to say to manage the pace of change is about the smell of the place, which is our culture that needs to drive continuous transformation. We call it the smell of the place because unconsciously the smell influences you in everything that you do. Unconsciously it does that. So we want an environment that unconsciously drives continuous transformation organically. We do not want to be in a state of digital Darwinism where the pace of change is actually faster than we can adapt. We are a complex adaptive system. That's how we see ourselves. Now, I like the fact that, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm enjoying the most uh, about this conversation is at least um, there is, you can tell that at least there is, uh, there is an awareness uh, from the industry. There's an awareness from an institution such as uh, Investec uh, to say that one does need to modernize. And the fact that, um, you know, that... Um, the if it ain't broke don't fix it mentality does need some tweaking um around it because it would be very easy uh for you to maybe just say that it's not it's not that big of a deal and then you know we just move on uh but it is something that is happening right now and as you said a lot of it is consumer behavior led um, you know, um, 10 years ago, one would not have even thought, you know, uh, the, some of the abilities, um, you know, that people have. And we've actually had the likes of, uh, BankServe Africa. We've had them on this platform a number of times, uh, you know, talking to, um, uh, talking to, uh, I think Jan, you know, we've spoken to him quite a bit, um, around technology, rapid payments, you know, all of these things, um, that the industry is trying to do to keep pace, but also, um, lead, you know, when it comes to, uh, the issue of technology. So as we are ending off, you know, once again, as I said, we are in the weeds right now. Um, the last two points on our end is firstly, We've spoken quite a bit about the legacy systems. Um, we, you've mentioned open banking a number of times now and the APIs, etc. Um, what I wanted to follow up with is uh, we had a previous, um, you know, guest from one of the fast growing startups, you know, on this platform. And they were actually lauding to say open banking, you know, we think this is a, you know, really great thing because it at least allows, you know, some of the, you know, smaller, more nimble companies to maybe take advantage of, you know, the decades, you know, that uh, the, some of the traditional um, institutions have, you know, the deep knowledge, uh, the big client bases, you know, all of that. Uh, but there was uh, at least, you know, that was the sentiment, um, you know, to say that in certain cases, it does still feel as if it's closed, a little bit it's a little bit of a closed garden you know your thoughts you know around that because it sounds as if you guys are quite open as as you know as investec um you know around you know apis and open banking and you know that type of thing 
I think um, there's two pieces. I think there's the industry at whole and then there's the regulator piece. So we are not regulated like Europe as an example. We've got PSD2, we've got GDPR, et cetera, those that are driving this open banking notion from a regulatory side of things. I think from a South African side of things, the industry is adopting it naturally. So we're showing that we can do it um, whilst maintaining the trust of our client because banks are actually known for uh, to clients as a trust mechanism. My data is safe. My data is secure. It is personal information to me. So I trust you with this. But the industry is showing that you can remain. I I mean, it's opening itself up, but not at the pace that I assume some of the fintechs are needing it to happen. Um, So they would obviously like it to happen faster. So and but I think it's already seen. I mean, Investex opened up. uh, uh, Standard Bank's got their one hub. Um, also opened up to a developer community as well. So things are happening. And maybe it's just not happening at the pace that the fintechs needed to happen. But those partnerships are really important to drive innovation, to drive third-party access, to drive many things, to stimulate an economy. Um, it's happening organically and not driven through the regulator. And I think I would say that in response. All right. All right. Uh, I I think the way that you just said it, the differentiation between the industry and the regulators, um, it's good. At least uh, I, I think more than anything else, it's 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 the fact that there is movement, right? Uh, unfortunately, in a highly regulated environment, movement doesn't always happen as quickly as um, you know some might like. But uh, movement is good, uh, you know, nonetheless. And then lastly, you know, when it comes to the financial technology debate, um, is, uh, the issue of decentralized finance. Uh, there's so many, um, you know, big terms and, uh, uh, what do you call this? Uh, the big, uh, fly by, fly by night terms that people are using at the moment, whether you're talking about, uh, the blockchain, cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, um, people talk, you know, o- over the last, uh, two years, NFTs have been, you know, a really big thing. Um, how is Investec, you know, thinking around, you know, all of these issues, particularly the blockchain? I find that to be the most, um, interesting of all of these, uh, uh, all of these things. Cryptocurrencies, I think people are still trying to figure out, you know, what direction we're going in. But I think the underlying technology itself, you know, has legs. I'm not sure whether cryptos in their current form is, you know, the best use of that technology. But blockchain technology itself, I think, um, at least, you know, uh, I'm not an expert, but, you know, it at least seems like, you know, that's, you know, a solid set of technologies that could take our financial systems forward. Uh, but, you know, uh, your take, you know, as Investec just around all of these new fangled things that are going on in the market. Um, so, so what I'll say is that I think we certainly have moved from traditional banking where you were heavy document centric, very, um, face to face in a branch centric, lacked personalization. So the traditional banking, we actually moved towards digital banking, which is very much around a slick client journey experience that is more personalized. Um, full straight through processing, digitalized offerings on mobile and, and online and those kind of things. So we moved from traditional to, to actually digital. And then we went into open banking. 
which we spend quite a lot of time on, and I won't spend time there. And then now we're in this phase of decentralized finance or DeFi, we want to call it, with the use of blockchain, with the use of digital money, um, with all of that. Look, at a high level, I think DeFi in itself is a little bit immature at the moment. I think um, that economy is immature because, and it's still in the experimentation phase. There's a lot that happens in DeFi and it's still in the experimentation phase. I do think I totally um, agree with the fact that there's value in the underlying technology uh, from a blockchain perspective. Um, However, it's still an experimentation phase. So it still needs to, the suspected strength of speed, security, immutability around blockchain itself still needs to be proven. And what's what's really good to see is that the regulator is participating in it as well. So um, they've got a sandbox environment in which we can practice and we can be part of some of these solutions uh, when it comes to the use of blockchain, when it comes uh, specifically on blockchain. So around payment side, so they've got a project called Project Dunbar and the regulators involved with other regulators uh, to do cross-border payments that are cheaper, that are simpler. So to manage the cost and time issue for cross-border payments, we've got Project Dunbar. And South Africa is participating with the other regulators in that piece. So particularly on the payment side, there's been more investment and we've opened up that, the regulators actually opened up that sandbox environment, which is really, really good. And then again, in payments on the domestic side, we're doing something similar. So the banks are involved as part of an initiative around Project COCA, which we're in phase two at the moment, again, using blockchain technology. The use of digital money around um, uh, central bank digital currencies are also in that part, in that mix, because it's part of decentralized finance. So again, it is an immature uh, economy at the moment. However, the value is in the technology itself. I think recently the regulator published that crypto would now be regulated. So they would put a policy out and a documentation standard out, et cetera. All of those things will come out, but they also come into the party as well. So on the glass half full side of things, the use of digital money, the use of blockchain technologies, um, which is primarily part of decentralized finance, is being an ex- is being experimented in. but. Whether or not we'll be an open finance environment and be, you know, held in a trusted way like what we do in banks, I'm not so sure we're there yet from a DeFi perspective. Um, Time will tell. The jury is still out. The fact that intermediaries like banks and credit unions, et cetera, uh, will be removed. Um, I have a personal view um, and I have an industry view. I'm not so sure we're there yet on decentralized finance, but they certainly value in the tech and what it can offer us, which is still in experimentation. Value around the technology, you know, underlying, you know, some of the new uh, platforms such as blockchain. So that's been it, you know, very fascinating, um, you know, conversation. I think we really, um, you know, went in, you know, around uh, some of the big issues uh, surrounding financial services and specifically banks um, and technology. Our investor is thinking around, um, you know, its technology use having, uh, 
uh, you know, sitting and thinking about how clients have changed their behavior. Uh, expectations of a banking client in 2022 are different from what they were in 2010, um, you know, for example. So, you know, from that point of view, systems uh, have to change and uh, investment in new technologies, you know, have to come uh, have to come to the fore, uh, you know, just to meet uh, some of that expectation. And as you're meeting that expectation, uh, there also needs to be, you know, a preemptive factor uh, that also comes in where you now start trying to anticipate now uh, what the pace of change is going to be, uh, the type of things that clients are going to be looking for, um, what technology is going to uh, enable, you know, going forward and how uh, you actually keep up, you know, with the systems, investments and things like uh, your cloud technology, making sure that you're no longer building your own data centers, um, you know, keeping, you know, sensitive information on premises versus, uh, you know, keeping it in uh, cloud, uh, such as uh, Microsoft Azure, uh, you know, that Shabana was, uh, you know, talking about, um, you know, early uh, earlier on, you know, how do you actually allocate, um, you know, budgets, um, especially in such an integrated environment. And also at the same time, looking at, um, you know, some of the legacy issues and she defined uh, legacy around whether something is fit for purpose, um, you know, in the current environment or whether it was fit for purpose, you know, a couple of years ago, um, you know, that's how she's thinking around um, issues of legacy and then, um, you know, getting into open banking. How do you make sure uh, that you keep up with all of these uh, new uh, financial technology companies that are making um, certain uh, pieces of the financial services industry a little bit easier and more accessible uh, to ordinary people? And then um, also making sure that the regulation is also keeping up to pace, um, you know, with, uh, with what's going on. And then, you know, as always, getting into, you know, a very interesting discussion around uh, decentralized finance. Uh, this one is going to be uh, interesting. I think it's good to see that you have more of the uh, traditional institutions, not only in South Africa, uh, but, uh, you know, around the world that are thinking, you know, around, you know, how do you, you know, take this on? And uh, right now that does seem to be the attitude to say that, um, you know, there is value, you know, in the technology, but, um, you know, some of the applications do need uh, to mature a little bit. So that's been it. Uh, we were talking to Sha to Shabana Thaver, uh, who is the Chief Information Officer over at Investec. Shabana, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much, Madiwa. It was such a pleasure. This is Madiwa's Tech. Fascinating discussion. We got a little bit into the weeds um, around uh, banking and financial systems, but it is, you know, very important now simply because technology is, um, you know, at the heart of uh, the modern use of uh, financial financial services, you know, at the moment. The fact that um, people can do so much on uh, banking platforms from buying electricity to applying for a loan uh, to making payments, EFTs. Or, you know, all of that capability uh, lends itself to, you know, the importance, um, you know, of this discussion, because whatever advancements are being made in the banking space when it comes to technology are literally uh, directly affecting uh, what uh, clients, customers, um, institutions, corporates can do, um, you know, on those, um, you know, digital platforms. As you heard, as an example, um, that young professionals, you know, want a little bit uh, more of the self-service 
service type of capability you know when it comes to investex platforms you know so whatever they are able to develop on that platform directly affects uh, what those young professionals will be able to do you know on their platforms um going forward uh, I think one of the big things that we definitely hope to see a little bit more movement on uh, when it comes to all of these banking systems, etc., is um, the increased interoperability uh, between uh, the different uh, financial technology companies that are out there, as well uh, and uh, the traditional financial uh, financial institutions. That's the first one, and then secondly, um, also um, you know speed of transactions. Right, I always give. Uh, the example, you know, that uh, you could literally send a payment, right? Right now you could make a deposit, um, you know, through a bank in South Africa and it will be in someone's mobile money uh, wallet, digital mobile money wallet in Kenya, right, within three minutes. Uh, and yet it still takes uh, one or two business days to get um, a, a deposit, you know, from one bank account into another local bank account here in South Africa. So, you know, all of those uh, little things. And whilst I'm saying that, it's recognizing the fact that uh, South Africa does have, you know, one of, uh, you know, one of the world's, you know, more sophisticated uh, financial services systems. Um, heard a number of uh, people from the U.S. Are marveling at the type of things that you can do um, with uh, the local banking system in South Africa, a testament uh, to that investment in technology and how uh, that has placed uh, the country in good stead, um, you know, when it comes to the maturity um, of those markets. Good to catch up um, with the likes of Investec in a couple of months, uh, but we'll certainly be looking to get more um, into these discussions around uh, how financial technology is um, being invested into and how the banks are investing in that technology. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.